Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Well, amen. It's good to see you as we gather and worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning to the book of James. In the New Testament, the book of James, what we'll be studying over the next few weeks as we focus on practical Christianity. I thought it'd be a really important thing to go beyond the deep theology of the Revelation to give us an opportunity to look at one of the most practical books in the New Testament regarding how to live the Christian life. So as you turn there, be prepared as we get started on practical Christianity. The book of James is written by the half-brother of Jesus. James's mother was Mary, father was Joseph, and he grew up in the family with Jesus, but he was not one who initially believed that Jesus was the Messiah. It was actually after the resurrection of Jesus, whenever he appeared to his brothers, that James gave his heart to Jesus. But quickly after becoming a Christian, he began to be a leader in the church. He actually becomes the pastor at the church in Jerusalem. And therefore, as that pastor in the church of Jerusalem, he has an opportunity of seeing firsthand the first generation church and what it was like to be a Christian and the things that that Christians faced and to begin to come to understand why do we face these things or what is God seeking to do in our lives? I think some of those things are going to help us because it answers some questions that we have that we might wonder about. Have you ever thought about, man, once you become a Christian, everything ought to be easy. Amen? Is that the way it is in your life? No, it's not the way it is. Just because you become a Christian does not mean that everything is rosy and that you're walking through a garden the rest of your life. You're still going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. You have challenges in life. But we will find out, as James will help us to understand, there's a different purpose in it. There's a different reason for it. There's something that God is doing in the midst where for that lost person who's part and apart from the kingdom of God, it doesn't have much meaning. It will have tremendous meaning, meaning in the life of a believer. And so James is going to help us to understand that as he talks about this aspect of practical Christianity. I want to today begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 1 through verse 4 and then verse 12. Listen to what it says. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. That simply means he's writing this for the whole church. He's writing this for everybody. Wherever you might be and whatever generation you might be, this is for you. These practical words for the Christian faith are for you. Listen to what the first thing he says then. One of the most challenging, one of the most challenging verses that you'll read in the Word of God. It's up here. Listen to what it says in verse 2. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Do you understand why that's a challenge? It says what? Consider it what? All joy when you are facing various trials in your life. That is not natural, friend. That's not natural. It's not natural for us to to consider it all joy when we go through the trials of life. So what else he says, verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let the endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Then in verse number 12, listen to what it says. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he's been approved, 
he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, leave your Bibles open as we look at this challenging passage regarding the purpose of testing and trials in our life. There's a purpose behind the testing and trials in our life. And he wants us to reach a point to where what he says, that we can consider it all joy when we go through those times of trial. How do we get there? Well, we'll look at that. But first of all, let's talk about trials in general. All right, let's talk about trials and testing that we see about in general. What does it say here in the Word of God regarding trials? I want to give you four things up on the board. The first of those things is this truth. It says, they come, trials come unexpected and unannounced. That's found there in verse number two. Listen to what it says. Consider it all joy, my brethren. Here it is. When you encounter, when you, circle that word, encounter various trials. That word encounter can mean two things. It can mean to fall into or it falls upon. It just kind of falls upon you, that trial comes your way, or that trial can come and light upon you. As you're just journeying through life, you either fall into that trial or, or the trial approaches you and it lights upon you, but you're going to encounter those trials in life. And listen, they come unannounced and unexpected. Do you ever have a trial that creeps up in your life and it, it doesn't blow a horn about two days before it gets there and says, I'm a coming, I'm a coming, get ready, I'm a coming, doesn't make any announcement, it just happens immediately, it just takes place immediately, it comes, and so you have got to be ready, you've got to be ready for the trials that are going to come in your life, because they are going to come into your life, you need to get that in your heart and mind, if you think you're going to live a, a life that is free of trials and free of testing, you are just deceiving yourself, and you are going to be surprised many, many times, all right? So get into your mind that the first thing about trials, they come unexpected, and they come unannounced. Here's the second thing about it. Look at verse 2. When you encounter various trials, the second thing about trials is they come in different forms. They come in various or diverse forms. They don't always come the same way, do they? No, they don't come the same way. It can be all kinds of things. Let's talk about some of the areas of trials that you have. You can have trials in the area of finances, can't you? You ever faced any trials in the area of finances? You can have trials in, in, in regard to relationships, whether that be your family relationships or friendships. You can face trials in the midst of those things. You can face trials in a spiritual realm. You can face trials in an emotional realm. You can face trials in a physical realm. Whether you're facing that sickness or you're facing that surgery or somebody pronounces cancer is in your life, you can face all kinds of trials and all kinds of... They are various and many. And the thing about that is they may come, many of them, at the same time. They just may arrive there all at the same time. Be ready. They're coming. All right? Be ready. They can be different. Be ready. Because they can come in all kinds of forms and shapes, but they're going to come into your life. They're going to happen in your life. Well, that's not all. Look what it says also in verse 2. It says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials 
And in verse 3, it changes the word, and it says various testing. Now, do you know what that word means? you know what it's talking about? It's this reality. Whenever you go through trials, God intends it for good. God intends it for good, even though it may hurt. Right? What God wants to do is it's for good. That word testing is the, is the idea of assay. It's, it's the idea of taking a metal and finding out the purity of the metal, how much gold is in it, and how much is of no value. And, and that's what trials and testing do in our life. Those trials and testing come to test our character, to test our heart, to test who we are, in order that we would be better, in order that we would surrender to him and he would make us what we need to be. He does that in relationship to our life for it to be good for us. But hold on a second. It sometimes hurts, doesn't it? It certainly does. Final thing, though, about trials from that verse three, 2, it says, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren. Here it is, circle this word, when, when you encounter various trials. You know what that tells you? It tells you this. That they come in every person's life and at all stages in life. Okay? It doesn't say if you get tested, if you go through trials. It says what? When you go through trials. It's not a matter that you might or might not. You're going to go through trials. And I'm here to tell you, one of the biggest disappointments in my life is that I thought we got all of our trials over when we were young. Man, once you get through that young age, you got it all over. When you get to be old, you've been tried and true and everything's easy then. That hadn't happened. Every stage of life, you have a different trial, a different test. You have something that's going on in your life, and it's going to come your way. Just get ready. It's going to come your way in all kinds of forms, in all kinds of shapes, at all kinds of times. But God intends it. For good, even though it may hurt. I'm so glad that I'm getting to preach this message and get finished with this message. Because I've been preparing this message for about three weeks. Because, you know, I was gone one Sunday and then, and then Gary preached last Sunday. And, and so I've been working on this message for about three weeks. And I'm here to tell you, I've been through so many trials over the last three weeks. I am tired. It's like the Lord said, well, let me help you understand what trials are like. Since you're going to get up there and preach about it, let's let, you, let's let you really know firsthand in regard to what it is. Ever since I came back to Israel, I've been sick. I haven't felt well since I've been going to the doctor two or three times to try to get well. And it just keeps nagging and hanging on. I'm never sick. So I've had this trial of the physical. Then yesterday, well, actually Friday night, we have a lake house down at Lake Martin. And I happened to see on the news where it said the lakes were flooding. I hadn't even thought about that lake house. I was too tired, too sick. And I called my son. I said, you talk, you talk to anybody about that lake house down there? What's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah. They talked to them. It's flooded. So we go down there yesterday morning, and, and all of our dock and everything is got about four or five feet of water in it. We can't do anything. Just sit there and watch it because it's flooded. Didn't have a chance to move all that. So that was a trial or a test. If you know me, I kind of like my stuff in order and like my things in order. I sure don't like to see it five feet underwater. Well, and, and, and anyway, you think that you think I'd be good, good enough this morning. I'm driving here this morning, and I declare if a coyote don't run out in front of me in the highway and just bent the whole front end of my car. 
My car just, my front end just rolled up. I had to stop and take the fog light from hitting it. It was hitting the ground and roll it back in there. I'm here to tell you, trials come in all shapes and all sizes. All right? They're going to come in all shapes and all sizes. But there's something that God is doing in it. Amen? There's something that God is doing in it. And there's something he wants us to understand that we can consider it all joy. First thing I want you to see, though, beyond the fact of these trials is it says there in verse 3, what is it that he's really testing? Whenever you have these trials that come in your life, what is it he's really testing? Look there in verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your what? Of your faith. The testing of your faith produces endurance. That's what it's all about. See, the trials come in our lives to test our faith, to test and purify our faith, to to make our faith better, to make our faith stronger, to enable our faith to endure no matter what we might go through. Because see, the most important thing you have in your life is your faith. When Jesus comes back, it says he's going to look and see if there's faith on this earth. The book of Hebrews says that it is impossible to please God apart from your faith. It also says that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What God wants to build in your life and my life is a life of faith. And he wants that faith to grow. And he wants to test our faith to see who we are and what we are in our relationship. Therefore, he brings that testing. He brings that trial To do a number of things. One is to help us to understand that we have needs in our life and that we have not arrived. Amen? We have needs in our life and we have not arrived. Do you think think that God is having to test your faith to find out what your faith is? No. God already knows you from inside out. He doesn't have to test you or try you one time to find out what faith you have in your life. So why then does he give that trial or testing? So that you might find out the faith you have in your life. So that you'll discover where you are. You'll find out whether you're matching up to the test. You'll find out whether or not you have the power to endure. You're able to discover something about yourself. In order for you to realize that if I'm not where I need to be, it's not because I can't be there. I've just chosen not to be there. Because what he teaches us is this. That whenever you face a trial and whenever you face a test and you don't find in you what, is ta- what it needs to pass that test and to be successful in that test, then ask of me and I'll give it to you. Ask of me and I'll give you what you need. And what do you need? Greater faith. Greater faith. Not, don't, don't say, God, I just want you to take all the trials away. That's not going to happen. All right. But what you need to say is, God, in the midst of my trials, God, in the midst of my testing, God, in the midst of whenever you're trying my heart, whatever that might be and however that might be, that, God, I would realize if I'm not measuring up and I will find that faith, that you will give to me that faith that is necessary where I can endure. You'll provide for me the faith whereby I can endure. Do you realize that faith is a gift from God? Your ability to believe is a gift from God. And he has promised that he will give to you by his grace all the faith that you need. His grace is sufficient for you. Whenever you face that trial as 
Hard as that trial may be, I'm here to tell you, God, your God, will provide what you need at that time. One of the most difficult things for us to understand is how God provides faith whenever we need it, whenever we're not at that place. Have you ever seen some family or saw a family experience something in their life and you're thinking, man, I I could never survive that. I could never live through that. I could never make it through that because of what they've had to do. But I'm here to tell you, as a child of God, oh, yes, you can. When you get there, God will give to you the faith you need to make it through whatever trial that you find yourself in. There is no trial that is greater than the faith he provides for you. But you simply have to ask him. And so whenever you're going through that trial and you're going through that testing and you find yourself weary and you find yourself wondering, am I going to hold on? Then that's when you have to turn to God and to say, God, I know this is testing my faith and I know that my faith is not what it ought to be, but I ask you, Lord, to give me the faith I need. To give me the faith I need. And I claim, and I claim that you said you would always provide for me whatever is needed. That it is ever sufficient, whatever I need, no matter what you face. So many times we're dreading about what trial might come our way. Know this, whenever that trial comes in relationship to how big or how hard that trial is, God's gift of faith to you is ever sufficient and comes right alongside of it. Comes right alongside of it. And God is allowing us to go through trials and testing to see what our faith is, to see where we are. Because what does he want to do? He wants to do something to us. Look what it says in verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith, here it is, produces endurance. You know what God's wanting to create in your life? A heart and a spirit of endurance. God God doesn't want, he he doesn't want us to run 100-yard dashes. He wants us to run marathons. All right? We're not a flash in the pan, but we're rather a consistent walk with an eternal God and a journey that he has given to us and that he is working on us to make us what we ought to be. And what God wants to find in your heart and your life is endurance. That you're going to get up tomorrow just like you did today, and you're going to be a servant of the king. That you're going to get up the next day, no matter what trial you face, no matter what difficulty you are, you're going to get up and put your feet on the floor and say, thank you, Lord, for another day, and I claim your sufficiency, and I'm going to walk in it. You're going to walk each and every day. You are going to endure each and every day because that's what God wants to do in your life, and that's how God's gifted you in life, and that's how he's provided for you in life. And he has already provided for you before you ever face that trial. Before you ever face the trial. I think sometimes we think things sneak up on God, don't we? I mean, our prayer life is like, God, I know you didn't know this was happening. It snuck up on me too, God. But we're in a mess. And God, I need for you to show up and I need for you to create provision because we're in a mess right now. And I ask you to create for it. That is not the way God works. He has never worked that way. All right? God makes provision for you before you ever have a need. He knows you're going to have a need before you ever face the need. He's already provided everything you need before you get to that need. So that whenever you come to that need, you're not asking God to create provision, but you're just saying, thank you, God. You already provided. 
Because you wouldn't have caused this need to come in my life if it's not provided. And so I want to move into your provision. I want to move into you what you have. And that is testing your faith. That is growing in endurance. That is the perseverance of the saints. That is pleasing to God. So understand that God is working in you. He's working in you. Let me show you four things, all right? Four things that God brings about testing and why it comes into your life, what he's trying to do in your life. It's found there in verses 4 and verse 12. Here's the first thing. Verse 4. And let endurance, here it is, have its perfect result that you, listen, that you may be perfect and complete. Here's the first thing. The reason testing comes in your life is he wants you to be perfect and complete. All right? He's bringing about that testing so that you can be perfect and complete. Well, stop there just a minute. Instead of thinking about the words perfect and complete, let's think about somebody. Who do you know who walked on this earth who was perfect and complete? Who? Jesus. Jesus was perfect and complete. So it says that God is working in your life in order for you to be perfect and complete or to be like Jesus. That's what he's doing, all right? To be like Jesus. And it says, Paul says in the book of Romans, he says that God has chosen to conform you into the image of his son. Conform you, that means to shape you, mold you, make you into the image of Jesus. What God is doing in your life, whether you realize it or not, is God looks at Jesus and he looks like looks at you. And when he looks at Jesus and he looks at you, that that's a part of you that doesn't look like Jesus, he wants to knock it off. Amen? That hurts sometimes. You're a living stone, it hurts. But he's wanting to knock it off because he wants you to be like Jesus. He wants you to be perfect and complete. So whenever he brings about that trial in your life and that testing in your life, you have to say, Lord, I know you're doing it because I'm not like Jesus, like I ought to be, but I know you're shaping me into the image of Jesus, so I'm willing to accept that. I will to accept that, and I ask you to do that perfecting and completing work in my life that I could be like Jesus, that I could be like Jesus in this world. That's what he's trying to do. So all along that testing, he has to help you to understand things. Uh, one of the things he has to constantly remind me of is Jesus, when he walked here, he didn't own anything, did he? The only thing he had was, was the clothes on his back, and they raffled those off. Jesus didn't have anything. So to be like Jesus doesn't mean we accumulate a lot in this world. Matter of fact, to be like Jesus means that we ought to hold lightly the things of this world. God's constantly helping me to understand that. Hold it lightly, son. Hold it lightly, son. It's not really important. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't make you like Jesus. But he's forming me, shaping me, forming you, shaping you into the image of Jesus. Second thing there in verse 4. It says, on page, that he may perfect and complete, here it is, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. You know what God wants of you? He wants you to lack nothing. To lack nothing. Hold on a second. Don't let me lose you. How does that lacking in nothing have to do with trials and testing? Well, whenever you go through trials and testing, you realize at that point in time what you do lack, right? 
I mean, whenever you, whenever you go through that tra- testing and you falter and fail, you realize what you lack in your life. So what does God want you to do? He wants you to walk around and feel sorry for yourself, throw a pity party, and feel real bad because you don't have what you need. Did y'all write that down? I hope not. Because that's not the reality. That's not the truth. He doesn't show you what you're lacking so you feel sorry for yourself and pity yourself. He wants you to see what's lacking so you'll do something that's very important. And that is to ask him to give you what you lack. Look there in verse, verse 5. We didn't read it. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And God gives generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. Whatever you lack, God is a generous God. And he wants you simply to realize what you lack. And he wants you to ask him for what you lack. That's where a lot of us get messed up. Some of us are almost apologetic that we would ask our Heavenly Father for something. Well, God's so busy. And he's got a lot bigger problems than I'm facing. So I'm not going to bother God. You're not bothering God. He's big enough to handle it. Amen. And obviously he brought that trial into your life. He wants you to do something. One of those things he wants you to ask. And later in this book of James, you're going to find, he says this, the problem with many of us is we have not because we ask not. We have not because we have not. So imagine this. God's got everything that you're going to need. He's got all of that for you. He's waiting to provide it. He's helped you to see that you need it. And he's ready to give it to you. But you don't ask. And you walk around lacking in things because you won't ask. The reason he gives you trials is to reveal where you are lacking so that you will come to him for that resource. And he has it abundantly supplied. So ask. Ask, he will give it. Look at the third thing. It's found in verse 12. Here it is. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved. Not only is it, does it say that he's perfecting you, completing you, and giving you what's asked or what's lacking. But it says also that he is the one will bless your life. How many of you want to live a blessed life? I do. Amen. I see those, Lord, who don't have their hands up. I got both my hands up, Lord. Some of them didn't put their hands up. They don't want to be blessed. Oh, yes. We want our lives to be blessed, don't we? And why does God send us through those trials and testing? So that whenever endurance has had its perfect work and and whenever we've depended on him and we've asked him, He can give to us and lead us into a blessed life. And God wants us in the midst of our trials to experience the abundant blessings of God. So in the midst of our trials, we're not talking about how bad the trials are as much as we are talking about how blessed we are to have a God who meets our needs in the midst of trials. And that we walk around in a blessed life. He wants us to have a blessed life. That's not all. Look at the fourth thing and the final thing. And once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know what the final thing is? It's whenever you leave this world, you get to put on the crown of life. The crown of life that he's promised to all those who love him. And whenever you have persevered through those trials and you have endured in that faith and you have journeyed and you've let God do all he wants to do in your life to mold you, shape you, make you, bless you, whatever all he wants to do. Finally and ultimately, when you get to heaven one day, you're going to receive a crown of life because you love the Lord God 
and you persevered in the midst of trials. He knows every tear you've ever shed. He knows every pain you've ever endured. He knows every trial and test that you have or will ever face. And he is ready to bless you with a crown of life for being faithful to the end. Those four things are reasons enough, amen, are reasons enough to rejoice that God would send us through testing. But we ought to end by sharing with you the most important word in this whole thing. Because remember, I told you the most challenging aspect of this in verse 2 is he said, consider it all joy. Consider it all joy when you go through various trials and testing. Well, what is the most important word that we can actually reach a point of considering it all joy? It's there in verse number three. It's the first word, knowing. That's what it takes. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Do you know how you can reach a point of rejoicing in trials? Because you know. You know what? You know that God loves you. You know that God's grace is ever sufficient for you. You know that God's got a purpose in what he's doing in your life and he never wastes time. And that God has an ultimate reward. And whenever you know those things about God and you know those things about testing, then you're able to endure, but not just endure, you're able to consider it joy that the Lord God would allow me to go through testing to continue to work and mold and shape me to be like Jesus and prepare me for the kingdom that is yet to come. Amen? You will never have joy unless you know. You know your God that way. Unless you understand how God uses those testings and trials and what his purpose is in and through those tests and trials in your life. But whenever you come to understand that, then you can know. And by knowing, you can count it all joy. You can count it all joy. You say, well, Brother Matt, you, you think we ought to just be laughing through it? No, you're not going to laugh through it. It didn't say happiness. All joy, joy is something that swells up in the depths of your heart even when tears may come down your face because it's an understanding far deeper level of who God is, who I am in relationship to God, and what God is doing in me. And James, that pastor of that first church in Jerusalem, he saw his people suffering. He saw trials coming through the Roman government. He saw difficulties and the seizures of property. And all those kinds of things that are happening. And he tells his people, listen, consider it all joy. Consider it all joy because God is real. God is at work. God's trying. God's testing. But he knows exactly where you are and he knows exactly what he has for you as you endure in the faith. As you endure in the faith and your faith grows stronger and stronger towards him. Trials are coming. Amen. Every age, every stage. Unannounced, unexpected, various shapes, various forms, meant for our good, but they do hurt. But God knows exactly where you are, and he brings those in your life to make you more like Jesus. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.